Book Second, Chapter Seven of A Day of Fate by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Book Second, Chapter Seven. Old Plod Idealized. Ada brought me up my dinner, and I at once noted that she was in a flutter of unusual excitement. Her mother had undoubtedly prepared her for the arrival of the expected guest and made known also his relations to one of whom she had been somewhat jealous and it would seem that the simple-hearted girl could not disguise her elation i was in too bitter a mood to endure a word and yet did not wish to hurt her feelings therefore she found me more absorbed in my paper and preoccupied than ever before thank you miss ada i said cordially but briefly editors are wretched company their paper is everything to them and i've something on my mind just now that's very absorbing thee isn't strong enough to work yet she said sympathetically oh yes i replied laughing bitterly i'm a small edition of samson besides i'm as poor as job's impoverished turkey and must get to work again as soon as possible there is no need of thee feeling that way we and then she stopped and blushed i know all about we i laughed your hearts are as large as this wide valley but then i must keep my self-respect you know you have no idea how happy you ought to be in such a home as yours i like the city better she replied blushing and then hastily left the room my greed for work departed as abruptly poor child i muttered life is a tangle as miss warren said and a wretched one too for many of us mrs yocomb soon after came in and looked with solicitude at my almost untasted dinner why richard she said thy appetite flags strangely isn't thy dinner to thy taste the fault is wholly in me i replied thee doesn't look so well nothing like so well has ada said anything to trouble thee she asked apprehensively no indeed ada is just as good and kind as she can be she's becoming as good as she is beautiful every day increases my respect for her and i spoke earnestly and honestly a faint color stole into the matron's cheek and she seemed pleased and relieved but she remarked quietly ada's young and inexperienced then she added with a touch of motherly pride and solicitude she's good at heart and i think is trying to do right she will make a noble woman mrs yocomb one that you may well be proud of or i'm no judge of character i said with quiet emphasis she and zilla have both been so kind to me that they already seem like sisters at any rate after my treatment in this home i shall always feel that i owe to them a brother's duty the color deepened in the old lady's face that was still so fair and comely and tears stood in her eyes i understand thee richard she said quietly i thought i loved thee for saving our lives and our home but i love thee more now still thee cannot understand a mother's heart thee's a true gentleman dear mrs yocomb you must learn to understand me better or i shall have to run away in self-defence when you talk in that style i feel like an arrant hypocrite i give you my word that i've been swearing this very forenoon who was thee swearing at she asked in much surprise myself and with good reason there is never good reason for such wickedness she said gravely but regarding me with deep solicitude 
Presently she added, Thee has had some great provocation. No, I've been honored with unmerited kindness and trust, which I have ill requited. Emily Warren has been to see thee. Yes. Did she tell thee? Yes, and I feel that I could throttle that man. Now you know what a heathen savage I am. Yes, she said dryly. Thee has considerable untamed human nature. Then added, smiling, I'll trust him with thee nevertheless. I'm inclined to think that for her sake thee'd do more for him than for any man living, now wouldn't thee? Oh, Satan, take him, yes, I groaned. Forgive me, Mrs. Yocomb, I'm so unmanned, so desperate from trouble, that I'm not fit for decent society, much less your company. You believe in a providence. Why was this woman permitted to enslave my very soul, when it was of no use? Richard Morton, she said reproachfully, thee is indeed unmanned, thee's wholly unjust and unreasonable. This gentleman has been Emily Warren's devoted friend for years. He has taken care of her little property, and done everything for her that her independent spirit would permit. He might have sought an alliance among the wealthiest, but he has sued long and patiently for her hand. Well, he might, I interrupted irritably. Emily Warren is the peer of any man in New York. Thee knows New York and the world in general well enough to be aware that wealthy bankers do not often seek wives from the class to which Emily belongs. Though in my estimation, as well as in thine, no other class is more respectable. And I think it speaks well for him that he is able to recognize and honor worth wherever he finds it. Still, he knew her family. The Warrens were quite wealthy, too, at one time. What is his name? I asked sullenly. Gilbert Hearn. What? Hearn the banker, who resides on Fifth Avenue? The same. I know him. That is, I know who he is. Well. Then I added bitterly, It's just like him. He has always had the good things of this world, and always will. He'll surely marry her. Has thee anything against him? Yes, infinitely much against him. I feel as if he were seeking to marry my wife. That's what thee said when out of thy mind, she exclaimed apprehensively. I hope thee is not becoming feverish. Oh, no, Mrs. Yocomb, I've nothing against him at all. He is preeminently respectable as the world goes. He is shrewd, wonderfully shrewd, and always makes a ten-strike in Wall Street but this securing Miss Warren was a master-stroke. There, I'm talking slang and disgracing myself generally, but my bitter spirit broke out again in the words, Never fear, Gilbert Hearn will have the best in the city, nothing less will serve him. Thee is prejudiced and unjust, I hope thee'll be in a better mood to-morrow, and she left my room looking hurt and grieved. I sank back in my chair in wretched, reckless apathy, and from the depths of my heart wished I had died. After a little time Mrs. Yocomb came hastily in, looking half ashamed of her weakness, and in her hands was a bowl of delicious broth. My heart relents toward thee, she said with moist eyes. I ought to have made more allowance for one whose mother left him much too early. Take this, every drop, and remember thy pledge to get well and be a generous man. I'll trust thee to keep thy word and she departed before I could speak. Well, I should be a devil incarnate if I didn't become a man after her kindness, 
I muttered, and I gulped down the broth and my evil mood at the same time. At the end of an hour I could almost have shaken hands with Gilbert Hearn, who prospered in all that he touched. As the sun declined I heard the rustle of a silk on the stairway. A moment later Miss Warren mounted the horse-block and stood waiting for Reuben, who appeared in the family rockaway. I thought the maiden looked a trifle pale in contrast with her light silk, but perhaps it was the shadow of the tree she stood under. But I muttered, even his critical taste can find no fault with that form and grace she'll grace his princely home and none will recognize the truth more clearly than he she hesitatingly lifted her eyes toward my window and i started back forgetting that i was hidden by the half-closed blind but my face suffused with pleasure as i said to myself heaven bless her she does not forget me wholly even on the threshold of her happiness at that moment old plod passing through the yard in his early saturday release from toil gave a loud whinny of recognition the young girl started visibly sprang lightly down from the block and caressed her great heavy-footed pet and then without another glance at my window entered the rockaway and was driven rapidly toward the distant depot at which she would welcome the most fortunate man in the world I now felt sure that I had guessed her association with the old plough-horse, and, sore-hearted as I was, I laughed long and silently over the quaint fancy. Truly, I muttered, the courtly and elegant banker would not feel flattered if he knew about it. How in the world did she ever come to unite the two in her mind? But as I thought it all over I was led to conclude that it was natural enough the lonely girl had no doubt found out that even in the best society of a christian city she must ever be warily on her guard she was beautiful and yet poor and apparently friendless and as she had intimated she had found many of the young and gay ready to flatter and with anything but sincere motives the banker considerably her senior had undoubtedly proved himself a quiet steadfast friend he was not the fool to neglect her as did those stupid horses for any oats the world could offer and she always found him like old plod ready to drop everything for her and well he might no matter how devoted he has been he can never plume himself on any magnanimity i said to myself she probably finds him a trifle formal and sedate and rather lacking in ideality just as old plod is very stolid till she appears but then he is safe and strong and very kind to a friendless girl who might well shrink from the vicissitudes of her lot and would naturally be attracted by the protection and position which he could offer in spite of the disparity of years a woman might easily love a man who could do so much for her and the banker is still well preserved and handsome of course emily warren does love him all the wealth of wall street could not buy her yes in a world full of lightning flashes she has made a thrifty and excellent choice i may as well own it in spite of every motive to prejudice gilbert herne is not my ideal man by any means good things are essential to him he would feel personally aggrieved if the weather was bad for two days in succession he is very charitable and public-spirited and he likes our paper to recognize the fact i have proof of that too alms given in the dark are not exactly wasted but i'm thinking scandal he so likes to let his light so shine he's respectability personified 
and the toil-worn girl will be taken into an ark of safety i suppose i ought to be magnanimous enough to think that it's all for the best since he can do infinitely more for her than i ever could she will be the millionaire's wife and i'll go back to my dingy little office and write paragraphs heavy enough to sink a cork ship thus will end my june idol but should i live a century i will always feel that gilbert hearn married my wife end of book second chapter seven